Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition. In this series, the Bankers editors are speaking to industry experts from across financial services to explore how banking is responding to global challenges and trends, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, sustainability and the drive for increased technological innovation. I'm Marie Kemple, the Bankers Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, and in this podcast I'm joined by Daniel Carpenter, Commercial Lead and Head of Regulation at Meritsoft, a platform providing automated post-trade solutions for capital markets firms. Thanks for joining me today, Daniel. Hi, Marie. Thank you very much for inviting me. No problem. Um, and in this podcast, we're going to be discussing the often overlooked area of trade expenses and the fact that despite this being an area of significant uh, spend for many banks, disparate data on this means they often don't you know, well understand how much they are truly spending in this area and therefore are not well positioned to, to optimize these costs. Um, but, you know, first things first, Daniel, you know, when we talk about trade expenses, what do we mean by that and why are they such a, a significant cost for banks? Trade expenses itself has many areas, so it's, it's not just one or two fee types, it's, it's multiple fee types. The most common one people would think of is brokerage clearing or exchange, and, and people used to refer to that as BC&E. But outside of that, you have lots of other fees, uh, agent banking fees, or you may even now get under CSDR, you may get penalty fees and so forth, um, as well as regulatory fees. So it's really the total cost of doing business. The way to think about it is if we're, if we're transacting, then I'm going to you know, sell and buy for X. And obviously, you know, as a bank, we're looking at you know, what margin we're making on these things. And to work out your margin, you've got to work out your costs. And so costs are a combination of multitude of fees across that. But brokerage is, is one that's very common uh, that people talk about. And I think, you, you know, you, there was a recent report that you, you put out, which cites mm. that it can be very difficult for banks to get a handle on, you know, the true mm. level of these costs. You know, why is that? What's what's leading to that issue? Um, absolutely. So, so we did a market survey and we had over 450 respondents from seven countries. Um, and it was very much a, a top tier sort of focused survey that was done anonymously. So um, what, what we deduced from that effectively from all the responses um, that was sort of a managed process was that there is, a, you, you referred to it right at the beginning, actually, um, lack of digitization and centralization. I think, you know, that's almost the summary. If, if the end of the call is that, that's, that's fine. You know, the, the point is um, there are silos of data everywhere in institutions. It's a well-known phenomenon. And if you start looking across asset classes and across regions, uh, and you're saying uh, a multitude of houses uh, when they responded, we, we know they don't have automation. And in percentages terms, you know, we're talking some in a region of sort of 70% of people have little or no automation in this process, which in today's world is, is sort of slightly crazy. But the reason behind it is that the first step is you've got to digitize data. You've got to get that data from out of PDFs or out of siloed systems into a central repository, and then you can apart, start applying automation. So. The key part of this, if you like, the step one is, is to start digitizing data. Um, the most common area we would see on that one is people have uh, rate cards that maybe they haven't reviewed with counterparties for many, many years, and they're stored in PDFs. Uh, they may have been put into a front office system, but not across all front office systems, not in, in the centralized back office system. So that's, that's an example, if you like, of the digitization of rate cards. Um, so I say, I say that's sort of the key bit there, once you've got the digitized data, then you can start talking about automation because uh, you can start applying that and saying, okay, what, what, what's the rate? Are we getting charged the right rate? But you could almost start at the other side of the fence and say, how do I analyze my profitability? And to do that, I have to have the fees all calculated and I have to be able to analyze it and see where I can get a better rate or negotiate a better contract. 
to do that, I've also got to go back to the digitization and the transactional flows. Well, you, you've kind of given quite a couple of a few examples there around the types of things which banks can be doing to, you know, to, to improve improve this situation. Now, is this something that a lot of banks are doing or is this, you know, still a kind of a early, early stage for a lot of, you know, have, have a lot of banks not really tackled this this yet? Uh, a, a lot of banks haven't tackled it. I mean, it's now high priority and looking at, you know, some of your reports and the analysis that's been done in the market on return on equity, return on capital. Uh, it is very easy to see that people have struggled over the last two years. Um, the volumes are up, but the profitability and everything else is down uh, because of COVID and other things. So one of the areas you look at is, you know, how do I improve my processes? Uh, in good times, you can absorb the costs, but in, you know, when times are tough, you start looking at it and say, well, how can I you know, shave a few more here and shave a few more percent there? So absolutely what we're finding in the last 12, 18 months is it's becoming a topic of great conversation. We've been looking at it for several years and delivering for several years as a supplier to the marketplace. But it's definitely uh, a part of the survey is people are budgeting for this uh, and they are looking at what they can do. And I think it's important to, to, to address it in a sort of siloed approach, which is sort of oxymoron to what I was saying, but you've got to do it in a phased approach. You've got to go through and say, well, rather than trying to do sort of everything in one go, do I go through asset class by asset class? Do I do region by region? What is the best way of doing it so that I can get that return on investment that allows me to carry on improving and getting more budget to more automation in these processes. And in terms of what's kind of led to, to this situation now, is it just the, the kind of classic case of over time, you know, different contracts, different systems and things being kind of built up, you know, is it a, is it a case of going back through all those, yeah, kind of legacy systems and just really getting a, a handle on everything that's been done there? Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, there's there's growth through acquisition or organic growth. And I guess, you know, when you go through acquisition growth, you're buying and consolidating another company which has its own systems, no data sets. So, so one of those issues that, you know, some of the houses you go through that sort of growth pattern are incurring is how do I then consolidate all of that in the back office with, you know, without impacting profitability, without impacting the front office, how do I start consolidating everything? So they've got that bit. Uh, you've seen a lot of more, uh, the growth of asset classes is another you know, driving factor. You know, more and more people are dealing more and more uh, different asset classes, and therefore they have their own rate cards, they have their own fee structures, they have their own invoicing templates, and so forth. I think it's also, though, being driven by the client, and the client you know, uh, is expecting to be paid and paid on time uh, and efficiently. So to do that, you know, when we speak to houses, it's not uncommon. Some houses say, well, it's three, maybe three months after we get the invoice that we've reconciled it and then we pay it and then everything else. Well, you know, people, are, you know, on a daily basis, you should be internally accruing and working out what the costs and fees are going to be based upon today's charges and fixing any errors so that when the month end process comes to light, you can actually expedite the whole process as opposed to going through a fairly long drawn out process that may take months and months. Certain asset classes demand that, don't get me wrong, you know, they, they spread over many, many months, but where you can, one should be. So I think the client expectation is actually, you know, if you want my business, I'm now expecting more transparency. I'm now expecting to be paid a bit sooner uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so I think there's that. And I also, sorry to, to harp on, I guess, is if I then think about the internal drivers, it comes from the ability to get better rates. If I'm trading, and I can see and aggregate all my data and see all the transaction data come together and I can look at the rate cards, then I can see, well, actually, I may be getting a better price over there as opposed to over here. So we're actually trying to not just talk about client servicing, digitization, operation savings, 
It's also about improving the, the, the efficiency of the front office and, and improving the returns on investment. Well, thanks so much for sharing your views and experiences, Daniel, in an area that it sounds like is starting to get a lot more attention. Mm. Um, that's all for this podcast. You can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm.